Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to the Daily Sun Up with the Colorado Sun. It's Tuesday, November 28th. Today, we're discussing another activity that costs more than it did five years ago in Colorado, the higher cost of attending a concert. Arts reporter Parker Yamasaki shared some of the thinking that went into her story, which compares not only the cost of tickets, but a night out. Before we begin, we'd like to thank our sponsor. On December 5th, First Bank and Colorado Gives Foundation are proud to present Colorado Gives Day, a one-day online fundraiser for local nonprofits. Since 2010, people just like you have raised $415 million, and over $53 million was donated last year alone. To elevate giving, First Bank and other sponsors have contributed more than $1 million to amplify every donation made, which makes Colorado Gives Day easily the best day to give. So let's start a wave of generosity. Donate at coloradogivesday.org. First Bank. Banking for good. Member FDIC. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. Throughout 1901, Arthur Collins of the Smuggler Union Mine in San Miguel County faced a tense standoff with the Western Federation of Miners over wage disputes and strikes. Collins initially resisted the miners' demands for better pay and work conditions, leading to a violent confrontation in July where four men died and others were forcibly exiled. Governor Orman nearly intervened with the National Guard. However, in November, Collins and the Federation reached an agreement to reinstate the previously agreed-upon pay rates, easing tensions. Despite this resolution, Collins was mysteriously murdered nearly a year later in 1902 as he played cards with friends. This episode reflects the intense labor struggles in early 20th century American mining communities. Before we continue, right now you can support the Colorado Sun in a big way during our winter membership drive. When you become a member now through December 17th, Colorado Media Project will provide a one-to-one match to double your impact for a total of $5,000 in matching funds. Join now at coloradosun.com join. Next, our feature story. Hello, SunUp listeners. This is Tamara Chung. I'm a business reporter at the Colorado Sun, and today we are once again tackling this topic of the high cost of Colorado. So this is part of a series of stories the Colorado Sun staff, reporters, and editors have been working on since November. We get to tackle something that is near and dear to many of our hearts, um, entertainment. And today I've got uh, Parker Yamasaki, who covers arts and culture for for us, joining me. She actually went to a, a concert recently, and uh, I think that that launched her story. So tell me about that, Parker. Yeah, so the last concert I went to was a Hiatus Coyote concert at Red Rocks, um, and I paid about $100 for that ticket with service fees and tax included and everything else I did really budget style, brought my own snacks and water and all that. And I was able to talk to some people in the parking lot beforehand who were out there tailgating and got some of their stories. You know, Red Rocks is a really popular venue. And so a lot of people had stories stretching back to $5 ticket days. I don't know if I remember those days. So, you know, I know you're out and about covering all sorts of uh, arts and culture stories for us, but how did you end up choosing concerts for for this high cost series? I wanted to do something that had to do with arts and culture. And originally it was just all sorts of cultural events. So theater, movies, music, art museums, and that seemed really broad. Um, So I decided to 
narrow it down to concerts because that's something that Denver and Colorado is has a pretty good reputation for is its live music scene. And, you know, I wanted specifically to look at cultural events because these are things that are that are a disposable income cost. So these are things that are a want, not a need, as one person I interviewed who was from Denver Arts and Venues described it. Um, so the prices of tickets and things to concerts, as opposed to the price of food or gas or things like that, these are these are flexible in people's budgets. And so I wanted to see how knowing that the cost of other things was going up, how that affected the amount that um, something like a concert ticket would go up. And I, I noticed that uh, in your story, which is out hopefully this week, um, possibly today, in your story, you mentioned some of how the how much the costs have gone up. But um, can can you share some of those details? Yeah. So concert tickets themselves, the average price of concert tickets over the last five years has gone up and they've gone up in different increments. So there's not really a trend I can look at. For example, if I look at the cost of concert tickets, the average price of a ticket to a Red Rocks concert between 2018 and 2023, it's gone up about 30%. Now, if I look at somewhere like the Coliseum, it's gone up about 14%. If I look at a independent venue in Colorado Springs, like Black Sheep, that's gone up about 34%. And then Belco Theater has gone up about 50%. So these are really wide ranging percentages, which tells me that the cost of ticket prices is going up in a way that is independent of some steady sort of measure like inflation, annual inflation. Um, So there's a lot of factors going into the increase in ticket prices. One thing that is also worth noting is that though ticket prices have steadily gone up over the last five years, the year over year from 2022 to 2023 has actually decreased. So Right now, we're seeing a leveling off of ticket prices from the past couple of years, which were uh, jumped pretty high after the pandemic. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting little factoid in your story, um, because I I don't think people are used to prices ever falling. Um, I know that, you know, I covered restaurants and eating out uh, for this series and the rate of inflation or the higher prices is about the same. I think the cost of eating out is probably around 30% compared to 30% higher than maybe five years ago. But can you tell us more about why ticket prices are actually down from a year ago? And and are you talking about the price a person pays to actually buy the ticket? Or are you talking about the night out? I'm talking about the price a person pays for an average ticket. So the cost of other things like merchandise, concessions, gas to get there, you know, what you're doing before and after, those things have all gone up. But the average ticket price that you're going to pay at a place like Red Rocks has actually, well, I'll just look at the numbers. So in 2023, so far, the average ticket price has been $64.80, whereas last year, the average ticket price was $68. And so you're seeing it's not a ginormous jump down, you know, it's, it's about 4% less than it was last year. And some of that is making up for these 10, 15, 20 percent jumps that occurred in 2021 and 2022 when artists and venues and promoters needed to make up a lot of revenue that they lost in 2020. Were there any other reasons? Because I'm just trying to think about, you know, well, maybe there were bigger names last year or. Yeah, um, I think one thing is just that they're like I said, these are disposable income 
things that people spend on. So they're really sensitive to what people are willing to pay. Um, so they can only go up so much before people just stop paying and th- say this is ridiculous. And, you know, they'll have the ticket price people. So the promoters um, and the venues are going to have to respond to that. So I think there is a sensitivity to the market. And the market right now, as we've explored in this high cost project, is up pretty much in every other aspect of life. And so when your gas price is up, when your grocery price is up, when your rent price is up, when all of these things are up, then people are less willing to spend money on concert tickets. Um, And that is something that we've seen. We have some data. If we look at something like the percentage of the overall spending on entertainment, in the Denver metro area in 2018 and 2019, people were spending about 6% of their overall expenditures. Um, and that's that was significantly higher than the national average. Now, in 2021 and 2022, that percentage was about 4.9% per, 4. of their annual average expenditures. So even though expenditures have gone up, so the total cost that you're spending over a year on all goods has gone up, the percentage of what people are willing to spend on entertainment has gone down. And so has the number you know, the average in 2018 was about $4,600. The average in 2022 is about $4,100. So yeah, the the total number and the percentage of overall spending has gone down for entertainment over the past five years. I guess that sort of makes sense that um, spending on entertainment went down, is down from last year because, you know, coming out of the pandemic, everyone wants to get, get out there, but maybe venues weren't fully booked. So maybe there were a few fewer concerts during the year and and so there were possibly fewer opportunities to spend but you know that that echoes the same in the eating out costs of eating out have gone up so people are eating out less i mean that that makes a lot of sense um but i don't really see prices going down yet in dining so it's interesting that it has gone down at least ticket prices uh for concerts But, you know, one other thing I wanted to touch on was actually a really sore spot for many people, and it's the service fees. I noticed that you do a comparison in your story about, you know, how much do you have to spend uh, for a night out? You know, you you compare the cost of $100 or if you have $100 to $300 or more than $300. And the funny thing about that is like the thread throughout throughout each um, type of spender is the service fees for the concerts are the same, $23.32 in service fees for a ticket, you know, and a ticket that's about $65. What are you hearing on service fees? Are, are those going up too? I mean, if we got rid of those, that would sh- that would really uh, help out the uh, concert attendee. Yeah, yeah. So the ticket prices we were talking about were just the average price charged by the venue. Those did not include service fees. So when we're talking about prices going up and then leveling off, that's just the average ticket price. When we incorporate service fees, service fees are definitely going up and they're a really hard thing to trace and to regulate because of a couple of factors. One of them being that Ticketmaster pretty much has a hold on all service fees. Um and there's 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 some serious consolidation going on between Ticketmaster and Live Nation that kind of squeezes out independent ticket providers. And so they they have almost free reign as far as what they want to charge for a service fee 
goes at this moment. And there are projects going on. There's the Econ- American Economic Liberties Project that is bringing Ticketmaster fees to the Federal Trade Commission and trying to show that w- the description of what a service fee covers, in their case specifically Ticketmaster service fees, has little to no clear relationship to the costs inter- incurred by ticketing services. And there are different lawsuits out there that show that the service fees being charged don't actually correlate with anything material at the venue. And so right now, service fees are a big pain point for people, mostly because they're not transparent and people are really annoyed at being charged, you know, 30, 40 percent of their ticket price on top of what they've already paid without a clear, you know, without clear direction as to what it's actually paying for. Well, that is definitely something that seems like it hasn't changed for decades. I know, you know, service fees and Ticketmaster has been an issue for artists and concert goers for years and years and years. Um, I don't think, I don't know when that's going to get resolved, but for all the listeners out there, uh, Parker is on it. She is looking for feedback on concert uh, service fee, ticket service fees. So if you've got something to share with her, you can email her at Parker at coloradosun.com um, and she will uh, get back to you and then uh, see what you have to say. Uh, but anyway, Parker, thank you so much for joining us today on Sun the Sun Up podcast. Yeah, and thanks it, for having me. It was good to talk as always. <laughs> yeah. So folks out there, if you want to catch more of these stories, you know, we're, we're covering all sorts of topics um, and always looking for requests on what else we should track. Just uh, go to coloradosun.com, search for the special high cost section, and to, to read our series so far. Uh, but anyway, thanks everyone for joining us. We appreciate uh, your uh, listening and, you know, check us out at any time, coloradosun.com. You can read more at coloradosun.com. Finally, here are a few stories that you should know about today. President Joe Biden will be in Colorado today to attend a campaign fundraiser in the Denver area ahead of a planned appearance in Pueblo on Wednesday. The White House did not release details of the fundraiser, but a flyer for the event obtained by the Colorado Sun shows it will benefit the Biden Victory Fund, which gives money to Biden's 2024 re-election campaign and national and state-level Democrats. Biden will next visit the CS Wind Factory in Pueblo, the world's largest wind turbine tower manufacturing plant, as he touts his administration's economic policies and clean energy investments. Colorado conservation groups are rolling out an ambitious plan to conserve 3.3 million acres of private land by 2033. A coalition known as Keep It Colorado wants land trusts and their partners to help fund conservation easements to head off potential development with the goal of protecting water and wildlife habitat. A new bridge strategy poll of 600 registered Colorado voters conducted this fall found more than 83% of respondents were eager to protect water and wildlife habitat in the state. 82% of respondents agreed that protecting water and land supports jobs in Colorado's recreation, agriculture, and ranching industries. A new report shows Colorado continues to fall behind other states when it comes to recycling. The state diverts just 16% of the waste it generates each year, about half the national average of 32% diversion from recycling, composting, and reuse of municipal waste. The report's authors say new laws on plastic bags and styrofoam containers could help improve Colorado's performance. For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com.
and don't forget to tune in again next time. The Colorado Sun is nonpartisan and completely independent. We're always dedicated to telling the in-depth stories we need today more than ever. And The Sun is supported by readers and listeners like you. Right now, you can head to coloradosun.com and become a member, starting at $5 per month for a basic membership, and if you bump it up to $20 per month, you'll get access to our exclusive politics and outdoors newsletters. Thanks for starting your morning with us, and don't forget to tune in again tomorrow.